The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hi and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast. This is a weekly show dedicated to all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, Macca19, and as always, joining us is the tipping genius that is uh, Fishing Rico 4. How are you, buddy? Yes, uh, I'm glad you got that title right, legend. Um, <laughs> 33 points, mate. 33 points. You don't have the uh, the lotto numbers, do you? For tomorrow I, could, I could probably try and give it a guess. 5, 6, 10, 17, 22, 23, and 24. Oh, there you go. There you go. Get on those. That's it. I'll be slowing that down and uh, writing them down, that's for sure. <laughs> And uh, also joining us as a guest is a new poster to our Bigfooty family. Um, he was a very well-known poster um, on the popular The Power From Port website, um, and he will no doubt become just as popular on Bigfooty. Um, he was known as Tredray5889 over there, and now he's known as T- TK Ray. Um, welcome. G'day, gents. My pleasure to be on the podcast, and great to be making my uh, debut on the back of a pulsating victory yesterday. What a win. I just want to give a big shout. You know, yes, Kanda Power, you bloody ripper. What a great way to start the season. Unbelievable, really. Um, it's what we wanted. Well, yeah, yeah, and pretty much just uh, picking up from where we left off last year in the way Absolutely. we won the game. Absolutely. Now, as we do with all the new members on the podcast, let's find out a little bit about uh, your port background and how you came to support the Port Adelaide Footy Club. Well, uh, this could surprise some people, but I'm a first-generation Port Adelaide supporter. I'm a born and bred West Australian with no real connection to uh, Adelaide or Port Adelaide, um, for that matter. I was basically a young fellow who didn't really have a team when I first started following the game, and Port were the new kids on the block, and it was Gavin Wanganeen and pretty sort of um, hip and happening at the time. And um, eventually got myself a Port Adelaide jumper, got signed by Scotty Cummings, and, uh, Scotty Cummings, the great man Scotty Cummings, <laughs> <laughs> and um, the rest is uh, the rest is history. I've been hardcore ever since. Beautiful. Um, what's the first match that you can remember attending? First match I can remember attending. You're stretching my memory a little bit, but I think it was a game in the late '90s against Fremantle at the Wacker Ground of all places. Yep. Um, it was. I don't know if you gentlemen can uh, remember it, but. It was a real close game all night. There were probably only one or two goals in it all night, and I think we came away with a win by about a goal or so in the end. Yep. Remember? 1999, yep. that was. I remember uh, Fabian Francis and Stewie Jew kicking a couple of late goals and getting us over the line. A couple of goals from outside 50, no doubt. And I remember it started really, really late, and the game actually finished after midnight South Australian time. <laughs> Yeah, the time the time delay. <laughs> As you did back then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I remember that one well. Uh, what was your what's your favourite match? My favourite match. I'm going to leave finals out of it, obviously, because uh, they're a bit too um, everyone's favourites, I guess. Yep. Probably uh, round 22, 2002 against against the Brisbane Lions. Just uh, just such a hard fought, uh, close game that I guess. Kind of, in hindsight, probably not as much, but at the time it really made us think like, gee, we can, you know, we can do something in this in this competition and to actually finish on top of the ladder in our 
sixth year in the competition, was it? Just, yep. just a, just a fantastic effort, and you know who could forget Roger James's goal to win the game? Brilliant goal, brilliant game. It was just everything on the line the entire season. Back then, obviously with the MCG rule, you had to finish first to guarantee yourself the home finals, um, and we did it. And as the commentator said, you know, if that was a grand final, it would be the greatest of all time. So that's a that's a yeah, fantastic. Yeah, match. I think that was Jason Bennett. Great, uh, great call. Great call. Yes, Jason Bennett, that's the one. And your favourite player? Oh, well, Treaders has to be Treaders. Just that's the man it. was just a just a mountain. I mean, he could he could do anything. He was, in my opinion, the most the most complete power forward in the game since Carey. And I don't think anyone's come close since either. He he could do do it at ground level. He could kick on both sides of the body, just so strong in the air, basically unbeatable. He he was a match winner and just such a hard player to match up on, such a hard player to actually stop. When he was when he was on fire, we were just about unbeatable back in uh back in the early two thousands. All right, well, let's move on to our love and hate, which is something we loved and something we hated in and around the Port Adelaide Footy Club this week. Um, Rick, I might throw to you, mate. What was your love and hate this week? Yeah, I love the win under pressure, guys. I, I thought it was fantastic in the first game. We all knew how important it was that we really uh, um, stood up to the plate after last season and, uh, you know, to fall behind, which we were sort of probably expecting. And then uh, and then we came back and then Carlton made, uh, made their charge again and, and took the took the lead, but you know our boys had that belief and uh, and really pushed through the game. And you know with our superior fitness that everyone's now talking about, um, got us over the line. But you know it was the composure in that last quarter as well, let alone the fitness, which uh, really blew Carlton off the park. Good call. What about your hate? Yeah, look, my hate macker, as you know uh, from last year, <laughs> is the first quarters. Um, you know it the good sides are not going to let us come back like that. And if, if that was against Frio or Hawthorne, um, you know, it might not have been three goals. It might have actually been six or seven goals. Um, you know, and against those sides, you can't give them that sort of leg up. And our inability to just get possession and for our key players to stand up for a fair chunk of a quarter is not good as a team. And, you know, we got... Loby really lacked any influence at the beginning of the game and, and it, it's we need to do something there to really change this first quarter around. But, I, you know, I don't know how the boys are going to do it. Very good. Um, now, TK, what was your love and hate for this week, mate? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a bit of love Angus Monfrey's way. I think he, he can be underrated outside of Port Adelaide. I think he's... A very very good forward, but what he's also very good at is is stopping opposition players from having influence on the game that they might otherwise have, and just getting under their skin. Obviously, yesterday he was under Walker's skin, and Walker can be a very damaging player when he's uh, when he's on song, and he just continually does it. We saw it with Shaw in the final last year. He he really can get under an opposition's player's skin and do it in a fair and legal manner, not. Not you know Valentine throwing a few you know jabs or anything. He he really does have a way of getting under player skin and also contributing to the scoreboard and to the game himself. So I thought he was uh he was very good again yesterday. Yep, got to agree with that. I thought he was uh, was very good and again he was sort of playing further up the field um, and delivering into the forward fifty, which I which I do like him in that role. Um, what about your hate? My hate and 
I'm probably a bit of a broken record to some uh, some posters probably over from TBFB, but I just cannot stand the split rounds, the buys. I'd just like to see nine games of footy every weekend and none of this Sunday night rubbish. Just give me a game on Sunday afternoon and it's just, I, I just don't get it, how we could have a game on Sunday night without any other games during the day and only four games on the whole weekend. It, To be honest, it, even though we had a great win, it feels like our season's not actually starting until the showdown. No, that's it. Um, my love for this week is it's got to be Justin Westhoff in that massive second quarter. I mean, that was Treadray-like. I think he had 10 disposals, 6 marks and 4 goals Incredible. In, about, uh, in about 15 minutes of footy. Just such a dominant display. I mean, as I just said, we, we haven't really seen that sort of dominance. I don't think we've seen that sort of dominance from almost any key forward in the last uh, 5 or 6 years in, in a quarter of footy. Um, just... A, the way that he single-handedly wrestled us back into the contest. It was great to see. you got to love the Westhoff. Um, it's a pity he got to knocked out, um, Andrew Walker, you dickhead. Um, <laughs> and he, he ended up not actually getting a touch at all in the third quarter, but he came back in the last and, and had a pretty big last quarter as well. So good on you, Hoff. Um, my hate, uh, starting to sound a little bit like a broken record now, and that's uh, smashed in the clearances. I mean, it's, it's every game this preseason to date. Um, it was something that sort of plagued our season a little bit last year as well. Uh, we've, we've just got to find a way to start well and also to find a way to uh, to get our hands on the ball early. I mean, we just, you know, Lobie just wasn't with it uh, in the first half at all. I think at some stage in the first quarter when Carlton were really on top, it was something like 10 to 2 in the clearances, and, that, and that's just not good enough, not with uh, a couple of old Australians around the ball. Um, I think we had Wingard in there and, and Boak. Um, and someone, you know, a clearance specialist like Wines as well. Um, we just couldn't find a way to, to win the taps and also get it going in our direction. Um, we got away with it this week. We might not get away with it uh, in the showdown or, or later on in the year as well. Yeah, yeah. Something to uh, so an area of improvement, that's for sure. I mean, we've, um, I think we were middle of the road for clearances last year. Not I don't think we're a particularly good clearance team, but not a particularly bad clearance team. But what we were able to do was get clearances at critical points in games where we needed to in the last quarter. Guys like Boak would stand up and win four or five clearances in a row. And But overall, I think it's an area that we can definitely improve. Yep, absolutely. Now, something that I want to do quickly, just before I throw to the game itself um, and the proper review, is just, TK, get your opinion on the power from Port Closing. Um, because it did sort of come out of the blue. I know you were a moderator there. Um, what's your opinion on, on the closing and what it means for Port Adelaide supporters um, or Port Adelaide's online supporter base? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's disappointing from, from the uh, perspective of the posters on the website. We built quite a, quite a strong community there. A lot of people um, made good friendships out of it, and I think... We enjoyed we enjoyed some great times over the years, but I think by really I don't I'm not I won't say too much, but I think the pressure of running the site probably got to her a little bit at times, and it maybe could have closed down earlier than it did. But uh, she kept on um, kept on working at it, but eventually it, it obviously got too much for her, and um, she had to do the right thing by herself really, and. Uh, yeah. She's closed it down, so I wasn't particularly surprised when uh, when it happened. But 
I think the positive to come out of it really is that we don't have uh, this sort of splintered, I guess, online supporter base with, with Big Footy and TBFB. Everyone can come together and create one one community. And um, I think it'll be positive for Big Footy and hopefully, um, hopefully the people from TBFB can come over and um, contribute to, to what makes Big Footy a great place. Now, on to our review of the fantastic Round 1 victory. Of course, we played Carlton yesterday at Etihad Stadium. We won 18 goals, 12 to 12 goals, 15. It was a 33-point victory. Well done, Fishing Rick, for getting the margin correct. Um, Justin Thank you very Westhoff, much. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Justin Westhoff kicked five goals. Uh, Robbie Gray kicked four. Ollie Wines, Schultz and Hartlett also kicked two each for the winners. Um now, before we sort of work on how we got back into the game, let's have a, a bit of a quick discussion. Um, TK, if you want to lead us off, just a quick overview of the match. Well, as as would be no surprise by now, we started the game real, real slow. Uh, Carlton were, to their credit, were quick, quick out of the blocks. They were hunting the ball, putting a lot of pressure on on our, on our ball carriers, and um, pumping it nice and deep. Daisy Thomas kicked the first goal of the game, and was uh, creating a bit of trouble forward. And we just basically, as Mac has said before, couldn't, couldn't really get our hands on the ball at the stoppages. And that's, uh, that really makes it hard to, uh, to get any momentum in the game when you're constantly defending. I think quarter time came and, and we kind of regrouped. Obviously came out after quarter time and Westhoff started to turn it on, took a lot of important marks forward, started to kick some goals. And I think we started to get some ascendancy um, around the ground and just started to be a bit more patient with our ball use and sort of throughout the game after that I thought I thought we actually dominated in large parts for the second, third and fourth quarter of the game. I think you know, the umpiring at times put us on the back foot and I'm not normally one to use the umpires as an excuse but they, they were making it difficult for us at stages by uh, just plucking out some rather obscure free kicks that um, were perhaps a little bit ticky touchwood, yeah. but after that, I think wines wines was really important for us. And then by the last quarter, we were just running all over them. Pollock um, Pollock came into the game. Um, Wingard came to the game. Broadbent was injected off the sub bench, and uh, we just ran away with it. And it it, it was just good to see how uh, our fitness advantage that we had on the competition last year doesn't seem to have subsided. Let's talk a little bit about how we sort of struggled to begin with, though, because on, especially on the scoreboard, we were behind for around about 70% of the game, um, even though we had control of the game for probably a little bit more than uh, maybe about 50% of the game. Um, but where did we really struggle? What went wrong in that first quarter? Well, we couldn't get our hands on the ball uh, for a start. We, uh, we were constantly defending, constantly on the back foot, and then when we were able to get it, Carlton were pressuring us and we just couldn't hit any targets going forward. Do you think it was a midfield setup issue, like the way we were sort of setting up? It's hard to tell. I don't think I don't think our setups would have changed too much throughout the game. But I think I think it was just our ability to to get our hands on the ball. A lot of the time, it can be overcomplicated, and it's just a matter of actually going in there and and going lower and harder and getting your hands on the ball. I thought Ollie Wines was the only player on the team who was willing to do that in the first quarter. 
And but once the game got going, I think a few of the others started to chip in, and and it makes your midfield your uh, set setups at the stoppages look a whole lot better when your players are actually going 100. percent That's it, Rick. What do you think, mate? Oh, look, I think. It would be nice to have been at the game, actually, to see how Carlton structured up defensively uh, with their zone defence. And if anyone on the forum was at the game, I'd love to hear about it in the first quarter because, um, you know, I chart plotted the inside 50s for us and, and all of them came bar one down the left wing and we only had, I think, six or seven inside 50s in the first quarter. So, um, and they were pretty shallow and into that left pocket. So, to me, it looked like Carlton really corralled us um, with our forward 50 movement to one side of the ground. In addition to that, we uh, we definitely were over-possessing the ball when we did have the ball, and we were looking for one too many handballs in that, in that chain instead of just sort of um, uh, handball, run, kick, and, uh, and therefore Carlton, with their fantastic pressure early on, were able to really pressure our ball carriers and, to, and cause those turnovers. Um, in addition to that, uh, Loby got smashed in the rut, Let's not make any uh, excuses about it. He, um, I don't know, it's strange. Sometimes his rut work, he just looks like he's just standing there and just waving his two hands in the air and sort of hoping that one of them will hit the ball. But um, Warnock got smashed. And it wasn't until Trengove came in the ruck after about 10 minutes um, that he, he sort of started to change the, the clearances for us a little bit in the contest in the ruck at least. And uh, I know a lot of people don't agree with me about Trengove, Trengove being a ruckman, but... At least he aggressively runs at the ball. He has a natural leap and he gets a tap. Whereas um, Matty doesn't seem to time his jumps too well and uh, he doesn't seem to really position himself that great in the ruck contest either. And uh, and uh, again, in the centre, in our centre squares, um, ball-up situation that first quarter, I don't believe our players actually were maybe structuring themselves too well either uh, for the for losing the taps and because... They should have because Matt was just getting smashed left, right and centre. Um, so there was, I think there was a bit of Carlton uh, uh, good work and their structure and their pressure and, uh, and we probably didn't uh, switch on fast enough to our detriment, which put us behind the eight ball. I think the thing that impressed me the most about Carlton's start to the game was just the way that they completely bullied us around the ball. It was, it was the stoppages, it was the hit-outs, it was the clearances, it was crunching tackles. I mean, as you said, the pressure was intense. They went absolutely 100% at us uh, to try and get a big lead at the quarter-time break. Maybe they thought that they couldn't run out the game as well as they expected us to, so they were hoping to get a big lead on the board to try and keep that. I'm not too sure, but I mean, I think it was 35 to 53 in the contested possessions at quarter time, and that's just a smashing. I know that there was talk during the week about um, how a lot of people sort of didn't see how Carlton could bully us uh, in the midfield, but they absolutely did at that time. Um, it, it did change a little bit after that, and as you said, Trengove went into the ruck, especially at the start of the second quarter, um, and really started to turn the game. I don't think he's probably big enough or strong enough to become a full-time Ruckman, but certainly he's proven time and time again in victories that throwing him into the Ruck can be such a crucial thing at really important times of the game. Yeah, I think what what Trengove does well is he, he changes up our approach. Sometimes I think Loby can he can get almost almost bullied by some of the bigger Ruckmen, and, and I'd include Warnock in that in that category. He, what Trango is able to do is he comes in and gives that point of difference. He'll just run at the Ruckman. 
he'll hit him hard, he'll put his knee up, and he'll, he'll fight for the ball once he hits the ground. He gives us a physical presence in there, which I, I don't think Loby... Loby's a good tackler, he's a, he's a decent ruckman, but I don't think he really is a, a physical ruckman in the, in the true sense, like a Matthew Primus was or a Dean Brogan. He's more of... He, he likes to jump and tap the ball to, to, uh, to one of his mids. And I think Trengo is able to get in there and give us a physical presence, shake it up a little bit, and I think that's why he can. He's time and time again he's been able to sort of turn things our way in, at the clearances. I think it's interesting talking about momentum and uh, after what I was doing last night. But um, both teams really dominated inside fifties. I had a run on, and there was quite a few occasions where you know we were getting. Uh, we had our patch of six or seven inside 50s in a row, and then Carlton took them. Um, and as you saw from my text last night, Macca, with the in our second quarter, the main difference between Port and, and Carlton with the momentum was all our inside 50 entries were just inside or at the top of the 50-metre arc, so we weren't going deep. And then you look at Carlton in the, in the second quarter, they went, when they got their run on at the, in the second half, they were all deep, like within 30 metres of goals, which created great scoring opportunities for them, whereas we were leaving uh, our small like, midfielders trying to kick the long goals, which then again made it look like uh, our forwards weren't really influencing that player much. Ultimately, at the end, our forwards were, fan- I thought, were very fan- uh, very fantastic. We were just fantastic in the game and great- created great presence. But in the third quarter, if you have a look at it, um, you know, we went deep. Sorry, the second quarter we went deep. Third quarter we went shallow. Makes a massive difference to our scoring opportunities and bringing those forwards into the game. And uh, it's just something we've got to look at with when we're bringing the ball in, inside 50 that we make sure we hit that 30-metre spot. And I think it was in the commentary last night as well. Though, um, yeah. Someone was talking about the stats about not only getting the inside 50 but now the inside 30 because that is the real key target. Absolutely. We might as well talk about how we won and why we won. Um, because structurally, I, I thought at the start of the second quarter, we threw Trengove into the ruck, we threw Robbie Gray and Jared Polek into the centre square as well. They started to get their hands on it. Ollie Wines had a massive, uh, massive second quarter as well. But structurally, especially up forward, you mentioned the deep forward um, entries. And the way we set up where we threw all of our forwards really, really deep, almost all six forwards into the square, so that there was this sort of 50-metre gap between the midfielders running out and our leading forwards and we just dominated with that setup we saw it last week against St Kilda um the same sort of thing again just after quarter time we we did that and we got back into the game um how did you see that sort of forward line set up and how did you see it or how do you see it sort of improving us throughout the year yeah I think it was interesting that we that we played we played such a such a deep forward line, and in particular how we played the three tolls. It hasn't. It wasn't really something that Ken did last year. We normally went in with the two tolls forward, but I, I think against Carlton in particular, such an undersized backline. I thought get the ball in deep to the tolls was a was a good a good uh, tactic. And bonus yesterday, I guess, was that it uh, it enabled us to to make sure that Henderson didn't get thrown forward because he can be. A damaging swing man for them, but I thought I, th- I think uh, Rick's spot on. It's it's about getting the ball in deep, not shallow. And I, I get really frustrated when when we hit up targets sort of 45 meters from goal when we're 
where we could go deeper. It, I think if we've got tall targets down there, we might as well use them because there's no point playing another game when you're set up to, to play a kick-it-deep game. Uh, what were some other key moves that saw us win the game? I thought uh, we became a bit more dominant through the back line. We really tightened up on their runners. Uh, guys like Simpson had a, had a pretty good sort of opening to the game. Um, Ellard as well, just thrashed Pittard at times. Um, but I thought our structure down back, I thought uh, Cleary had a good game. Impey did really well on debut as well. Um, but it was all about Homsch, um and his effort on Waite. Waite's someone that... Um, that has really killed us in the past. And he just gave him nothing all day, except for maybe about a five-minute period in the third quarter where, where they started to get the momentum back. But Homsch just had a fantastic game. He was he was tremendous. The, the, I think the only... Uh, I think I remember Wake taking two marks for the day. One of them was up on the, up on the flank about 50 from goal, and the other was he had to climb over a pack of about three to, to take the ball in the air. Homsch just gave him nothing, I think. It, it really is rare in modern footy that you see, you see one-on-ones, but Carlton were, re- were able to isolate that contest really well. But Jack was just able to just harbour it at least, but often win it from time after time. And I, I looked at that matchup at the beginning of the game and thought, mm, you know, is he undersized? Is, is he up to it? But oh, he, was, he, he was very good, and he's, he certainly laid a claim there right from the get-go for a for a more regular spot in the team. Rick, your thoughts, mate? Absolutely, mate. I, um, but I also thought Impey played a fantastic game on those uh, the faster, small-running defenders. I mean, we saw Yaron really uh, um, took us apart in that third quarter with his run and into the fourth a little bit as well. And uh, But I don't think that was Jarman's fault. I thought he played a pretty strong lockdown game. And uh, in addition to that, as the game progressed, especially in the second half, uh, you mentioned Macker, our defensive structure, and you could tell that was starting to work really strongly with the forward pressure that we were able to apply. But every time Carlton was actually pushing out uh, to the to the centre line, we were always outnumbered in a contest, be it two on one or three on two. We always had that extra player there. Uh, so our boys were structurally set up well so that one person could leave the man and come over and impact the contest. And it just it, that's what really tore Carlton apart in the end. Uh, they couldn't find a way through the the collective uh, team defence that we've been playing and it's what I was talking about last year and it's starting to continue on this year and you know supposedly Bobby uh, might be due to come back this week but you know it's going to be hard for him to break into that side. Homsch was fantastic, Cleary played a great game, all the key defenders stood up really well and uh, performed uh, um, above average for, for what we can expect really. Whose spot does he yeah. take? Whose spot does Carlisle take? Well, you'd probably think maybe Cleary, um, you know, and I would only be saying that only from a, a seniority perspective. But if you were just going purely on uh, on earning a spot, well, I'd have to say he'd have to come back through the reserves the way the boys are playing. Mm. Yeah. It's hard to see him fitting in um, straight away when he hasn't played much footy all pre-season. I'd probably prefer to him to come back through the reserves, to be honest. 
Yeah, well, it's just reward for team performance, isn't it? And, I mean, that's what we spoke about last week uh, about Ken and saying he has to reward players. Um, if they do what they're asked, he's got to pick them. And, uh, you know, it's not Bobby's fault that he's injured, but at the same time, his injury has opened up an opportunity for someone else. Now, if those players have taken that opportunity, well, he just has to do his time and wait for those players to maybe fall off or lose a bit of their aerobic ability because of their younger age and fitness and come into the team then, and he's just going to have to work hard and bide his time. Now, one of the other key moves that I thought was uh, was Tommy Jonas going on to Mark Murphy. Um, seems just on paper a little bit of a strange matchup, but it works so bloody well. Tommy Jonas, it's about time he starts getting the kudos that he deserves across the AFL. Um, Murphy, as we spoke about last week, he just eats Port Adelaide for breakfast most of the time. He scored Brownlow votes in six of the last seven games. His first half, you probably thought, well, he'd be in the top three players on the ground at that time. Tommy Jonas went on to him sort of late in the second quarter and just took him completely out of the game. He had no impact in the second half at all. Yeah, I, it was it, it was a, it was a great job that, uh, that Tommy did yesterday. He's he's just such a such a disciplined player, and you can you could pretty much throw him any as a coach. You just love it. You could pretty much throw him any job. You could get him to go forward. Tag in the middle, lock down on a key key forward, and he'll just be able to do it, and he'll do it with no fuss and with uh with discipline from start to finish. So, and it, that was a really important role that he played yesterday, because yeah, as you said, Matter Murphy is Murphy's normally one of the uh one of the chief destroyers when when uh, Carlton get on top of us. So, yeah, kudos to Tommy, he did a great job. It was a good match up putting him on Murphy. I think we might have called it last week, didn't we, Macker? I think so, yeah. yeah it, I think it was, uh, it was thrown about in there. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, he's just so strong. And like you said, tall or short, he can play both. And he's just so, I mean, he's respected by a lot of the port board now, if not all of the port board. And he's just so hard and he just works hard. And it's amazing. You, if you put his name up against Stephen Morris, for example, in the with the Vic-centric media, they'd probably take Stephen Morris. But um, I'd take Tom Jonas every day. He's the, the amount of improvement he's made in the last, uh, 24 months is uh, incredible. I think Kenny said on uh, ABC yesterday, he said um, about Tommy Jonas, he said that uh, we believe he's an elite player. Not many people outside of Port Adelaide have probably given him a second notice, but we think he's an elite player and he, or he definitely showed that yesterday. Yeah, that just about speaks volumes, doesn't it? Elite, to use the word elite. Yep, he, uh, he's really beaten. He is really beaten. Now, what about our best players? We'll go through them now. Uh, TK, do you want to give us your best player list? I I can't go past Justin Westhoff uh, as my best. I thought he he turned the game. He hit five goals, and he uh, he was just he was just unstoppable in that second quarter when uh when basically if we if we conceded another three or four goals at the start of the second quarter, it was going to be game over. But he uh, he made sure he got back into the match. Um, I'm. Got Ollie Wines as second best. He uh, he was he was great from start to finish. He got his hands on the ball at stoppages, kicked it forward to our advantage, got forward and kicked goals. He, if we can see that kind of football from from Ollie Wines or you know, on a consistent basis this year, he uh, it, it it really is scary to think 
to think uh, what our midfield could look like. Uh, and I'll round out my best players with uh, Jared Pollock. Yeah, I thought, he, I thought he, uh, he started, you know, okay, but I think he just got better and better as the game went on. And by the last quarter, he was, he was in everything. He's, um, he's an interesting player. He, he's come in for some criticism uh, over his career, but I think he's got talent to burn. And if we, can, if we can get even half of that talent out of him this year as a starter, we'll, uh, we'll be a much better team for it. Absolutely. That goal he kicked in the last quarter, I reckon I thought about that 50 times today. I mean, <laughs> just unbelievable. I, don't, I haven't seen a goal like that for years. That was just stunning. Absolutely stunning. <laughs> Pick up. I hate to think what you dream about at night time. <laughs> you would not want to know. You wouldn't want to know. Well, maybe your wife doesn't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, on, uh, let's get back into it. Now, Rick, your best players. Uh, well, I had Ollie Wines um, first. I thought he kept us in the game in that first quarter uh, with Robbie Gray as a, a nice cameo. I thought he was very influential as well. But I almost thought Wines' first quarter was almost equivalent to Roger James in the 2004 prelim because there, we had no midfield presence and he was the only one that stood up. Second quarter, again, great quarter, and he was just consistent throughout the first, or the whole game, sorry. Um, and that's why I put him in front of Westhoff. I mean, Westhoff's second quarter was sublime, but I, unlike the commentators in the game, I actually thought his first quarter was a bit average. He, he seemed to make, he got himself in the right positions, but made uh, a lot of boo-boos while he was there, and uh, whereas Wines was just completely consistent. Uh, and then obviously no fault of Westhoff's in the third that he really didn't touch it, but I think that was enough to, to drop him to second. But it was a great game by Justin as well. I mean, that second quarter, like you said, was amazing. Um, again, I had Polek third. I thought he was a little bit slow. In my notes, I had where is Polek, where was all our midfielders in that first half at times. Uh, but he did come into the game as the game went on. Um, I noticed uh, Jared Waitley on 360 tonight had him as his Monday night hero and he commented that uh, Jared was saying that he suffered from nerves at the, the start of the game but then as the game progressed he got a lot more comfortable So you know, you, and you could really tell that. And I had Robbie Gray as fourth. Um, you know, He was very underrated in that game, kicked three goals in the end I think but showed great strength around the core, shrugging, uh, shrugging tackles and kipping, kicking a couple of snap goals but his first quarter he stood up Fourth quarter, he was there again. You know, how can, you know he's going to have a great season this year, I reckon. Got to agree with most of those there. I had Ollie as uh, as number one. He just had a fantastic game. That was his best game of AFL footy, in my opinion. So much to look forward to in the future. Uh, 28 touches, 19 contested possessions. He had 11 clearances, double more or double what anyone else had on the ground. Um, nine tackles, two goals. He did it all yesterday. He was absolutely fantastic. Um, I had Jared Pollock and, and uh, Robbie Gray probably equal on second. Um, Pollock, as I mentioned before, that goal in the last quarter, not just that goal though, but his clearance work um, when it mattered was absolutely unbelievable. He's instantly become a fan favourite. He's instantly become a player that we can almost trust in straight away. For someone so young and, and so inexperienced to come in and do that, I mean, what a fantastic pickup he's going to be for Port Adelaide. Um, Robbie Gray, I'm so excited to see what he can do this year. He seems free of his knee injury. His midfield work was excellent. His work up forward was excellent. 
He's going to be a superstar this year for us. Um, I had Homsch as fourth. I thought his job on weight was absolutely brilliant, as we've already spoken about. And I had Justin Westhoff as fifth. Um, again, as we've already spoken about, his second quarter was just out of this world. Um, and another good sort of last quarter as well. And, of course, Jackson Trengove had a had a massive influence um, in what he was able to do, not just in the ruck, but also down back. He really took Cruiser out of the game as well. Um, now, the two debutantes, Jarman Impey and Tommy Cleary. Um, TK, how did you see how they went? Oh, I thought Impey was, Impey was excellent. He, he he did a job on Garlett. You know, maybe a couple of little moments that, that he, uh, he might have done better, but on debut against... Uh, Against an experienced and dangerous player, I thought he he acquitted himself really, really well. He's he's got pace to burn. He attacks it hard, and he generally uses the ball pretty well as as well. And I just think if he can if he can continue to play in that kind of manner, he is exactly that player that we need in our back line. Someone with a bit of pace, a bit of foot skills to take them on, and um, and can also do a shutdown job. At the same time, so uh, he was he was quite a, quite unbelievable. I thought for a first gamer, he he really did look like he belonged. Uh, Tommy Cleary, I thought he was he, he was he was solid. He he didn't have um, he wasn't. I don't think he was in the play a great deal, but I thought what he did do was good, and um, certainly he's uh, he's got a bright future ahead of him as well. Yeah, can't agree, uh, disagree with any of that. I thought, as I said earlier, I thought MP uh, was very assured and uh, hopefully he can uh, continue that form and I can't see why not. He's got a good size on him. Um, as I said to you earlier today, Macker, I, I didn't really notice Cleary, but I didn't notice an opponent that he was on either. So whoever he was playing on, I think he, he took him out of the game uh, uh, quite well, and uh, and I was uh, quite happy. Look, I mean, both of those boys have played well this preseason, so uh, you know, very satisfied with how they're going. Jarman Impey, he was just fantastic. I mean, what a game uh, from a debutant. I mean, that's it's almost a baptism of fire as a small defender starting on on such an accomplished small forward like Jeff Garlett to keep him to six uh, six kicks and one goal. I mean, that's as good as we could have ever hoped for, I think, um, uh, from a first-game small defender. Absolutely. If only we had him in uh, in round 23 last year. I mean, he's just come in. I mean, I'm not sure what um, your expectations were for him. I mean, I, I thought he might get sort of six or seven games this year, but he's just been impressive from the get-go. The reps on him in pre-season were quite, uh, quite, quite strong coming out of the footy club, so... So uh, I wasn't surprised to see him start in round one, but, but gee, I was surprised to see him play as well as he did. Well, you remember how underwhelmed the board was when he was actually recruit or drafted? Yeah, it's about it's about filling a need in a way. I mean, a lot of people in the past, I guess, I know on TBFB, a lot of a lot of posters bemoaned, I guess, the fact that we didn't have that lockdown small defender who could also run off an opponent and do some damage. And I think possibly the club looked at that and thought, thought you know this guy could suit could suit us and fill that need. So he's uh, he's looking like a good recruit at this stage. I guess the only other player that I want to mention is Matt White. Um, we haven't really spoken of him at all uh, tonight. It was his debut for Port Adelaide as well. Um, how did we see his game? Yeah, I liked it. 
I um I was very underwhelmed with uh, Matt White in the preseason, but I thought when the heat was on, um, he was really noticeable, and he he did provide a lot of run and uh, a lot of link up play, and I obviously got exposed in. Uh, one of the commentaries uh, in relation to not following his player too well and had a brain fade, but everyone has uh, mistakes in a game. It's just going to happen. But I thought overall he, his influence was uh, quite noticeable and uh, I was very happy and satisfied with what he provided. I, I, I tend to agree. I like, I like what he provides. Uh, my only question mark on him, and I hope, he, I hope he proves me wrong throughout the year, but from his time at Richmond... It's not what he does that's the problem. What he does is very good. It's what he doesn't do. He doesn't, he, yeah. he doesn't have a big influence on the game consistently. He doesn't have those quarters where he gets nine or ten touches like a grey wheel and three or four shots on goal. He just, he just kind of just flows through games and, and has an impact without really ever dominating a game in that sense. So, But it'll be interesting to see what he can do throughout the year because I think Kenny likes him and I'm sure he'll get plenty of opportunities. Yeah, for me he's kind of a nearly player. You know, he he nearly kicks the goal. He nearly does this. He nearly does that. Sometimes he puts it together. Sometimes he doesn't. I was a little bit critical after the game of him last night. I, I think it was maybe a little bit unfair. I watched the replay again after I did my review last night, and he was very good at what he did. I guess, as I said, he he nearly kicked a couple of goals. Just you know, if he kicked those goals, he he's there to impact the play. He's got to kick those goals for us this year um, I'm not even sure if he's actually kicked a goal yet through the preseason but um, if he kicked a couple of those goals on the run he would have probably pushed into my top five in the end you talking about Matt White or John Butcher oh you could almost <laughs> swap them really hey? you could almost swap them I mean Johnny Butcher's the same he almost takes the grab he almost kicks the goal as well I actually Johnny Butcher was someone that I wanted to discuss as well because he was pretty heavily criticised on our board last night, I thought, but I thought he had a pretty good game, to be honest. What he provided, especially in the second half, especially in the last quarter, was fantastic. I thought he was one of the keys to our last quarter victory. Absolutely. I, I, I was very happy with him, and as other people have pointed out too, it's it's not always what he's doing, but it, it's the attention that he'll be taking off of uh, Westhoff or Shields and allowing them not to have the the double teams and you know he might not have taken all of those marks but that will come but he created a lot of contests and he brought the ball to ground and and outside of marking kicking goals that's what we want to, want our forwards to do he straightens us up there's no doubt about it he's um he, he gives us that target he can he can play deep he can get out and run up onto the, onto the wing and take marks he he can do a lot of the things that that a guy like Schultz can't really do Schultz is Quite limited because he's not the quickest player going around and he's not that tall. But Butcher demands demands some attention from the opposition and and I think I think we're a better team just just for him being there. But I you know you're lying if you if you say that you wouldn't like him to to slot a few of those goals that he misses from time to time. Absolutely, I think our three key forwards took uh, 21 marks and kicked eight goals between them last night. And if they do that every week. I mean that's that's quite a good output, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. There's not there's not too many teams in the in the AFL that can that can boast that kind of four line. If Butcher can stand up and and produce some good footy throughout the year, we've got a really dangerous four line. I almost want to have a, a kind of a uh, Mark Thompson, you know, leave him alone moment with Johnny Butcher because 
Sure, he missed a couple of goals, but I mean, one of them hit the post. The other was from about 52 metres out, and not many key forwards would have kicked that one anyway. It's just always going to be this this rolling drama of whenever he misses a goal, no matter how difficult it's going to be, he's going to be criticised for it. Yeah, I think there was a time... Yeah, go, Rick. No, you're right, mate. Yeah, I think there was a time when, when Treaders, for instance, was, was criticised for, for a lot of his set shots, but... Really, it's up to John to actually to actually fix that, fix his ball drop, start slotting the easy ones, and and eventually people get off his back. Anything else that uh, you guys want to bring up? Maybe uh, Darren Burgess. I just can't believe that we still appear to have a jump on the competition in the fitness stakes. It's um it's quite unbelievable. Um, I've heard the commentators talking about it perhaps being a bit mental, but it. It really is obvious how much better we run out the game than other teams, and it is just a huge advantage for us. Obviously, he, no obviously he's doing something that the others aren't, and uh, you know it's up to them uh, to try and find it out. They're not always going to find everything out, though, are they? Because I mean, you can try and get as much as you can from players that leave or your assistants, but at the end of the day, he's always going to have the inner workings, and you know it, it's good for us. We've been lucky. We had. We had Russell over for a while before he got poached by Hawthorne, and he was a great fitness coach. And then we got ex- and then we got exposed uh, when Darren left the first time to, to look at other options. And who was uh, the fat guy that was a uh, fitness coach? What was his name? <laughs> he was only only there for a year or two. He was he had man boobs. I thought, how is this guy going to get us fit? I think he went up to Brisbane in the end. I can't remember his name. I think we got him. It wasn't Cam Faluna. It was the one before that. Can we Google it? Fat guy that coached Ports Fitness? <laughs> <laughs> Probably could. God bless Darren Burgess. That's all I have to say. Yes. Well, God bless the guy that actually decided to get rid of Cam Falloon. Sorry, yeah. Cam, but uh, just calling it as it is. Well, I think we've done it justice. What a great way to start the season. I agree. Fantastic. I mean, Very for ha- me, this was this was almost more important than the showdown. To get this win on the road against a team that has given us so many hassles over the last sort of six or seven years. This was crucial. We've done it. Now on to the showdown. Absolutely. Well, our start of the season is pretty, pretty tough, the first, the first sort of our five games. So uh, to get that win on the board early, I guess, just gives us the confidence and hopefully we can uh, carry on with it against the, uh, the Fruit Tingles. All right. Well, I think we might leave it there for this evening. TK, thanks for coming on, mate. My, Absolutely fantastic to have you on. My absolute pleasure, Macca. Um, yeah, fantastic. It did well, mate. Great to have you on board. Cheers. Rick, the uh, the fishing tip and football tip genius. Yes. Pleasure. Do you Once... have any fishing tips? No, but someone did ask me for a tax tip if I didn't have a fishing tip. I'll give you a very, very quick one. Um, doesn't matter how rich or poor you are. If you're looking for a deduction, um, what you should look for is income insurance. I don't do income insurance. Speak to a financial planner yourself or just go straight to an insurance company. But the statistics are that only 10% of people have income insurance. Income insurance is tax deductible. If you get injured outside of work, you've got no cover. Centrelink support for sickness benefits, only about 15, 16 grand a year. If you're on 50 grand a year, that's a big drop in your income and sickness or income insurance will protect you for that. If you're on work cover, 
work covers only 80% of your income and it actually gets dialed down now. So after a period of time, you won't even get that 80% of pay. So for a, a really basic tax tip, everyone should be looking at getting some form of income insurance. Until next time, guys. Come the power. Come the power. Go the power. God, that was limp, Rick. you got to do better than that. Carport. That's better. Power. He ignores it. He goes long to Ebert. Bouncing ball. Back of the pack. Stuart Jew. Box back there. Needs to rush it. Jew off the deck. The Jew kick. The ball. Has slowed it. The ball barracks for Port.